welcome to the Virtual Press Box. My name is Paul and I'm one half of the new football podcast bringing you the latest talking points from the Premier League. We will be dipping our toes outside of England from time to time, but for most of the time, the Virtual Press Box will be stationed on the virtual gantry, keeping you up to date with the latest goings-on. Now, in today's episode, we have our team of the years. Stay tuned for Ryan to disappoint you with his. The top four, what we think they need to challenge for next year. Next week, we will be bringing you places five to eight. And we also have an exciting series, an exciting project we are going to bring to this podcast called A Brit Abroad. Hopefully that will develop as time goes on, where we pick a British person, a British man, a British woman even, playing outside of the United Kingdom. But before we go anywhere further, a bit about us both as Intercepts One. Myself and Ryan have had a long running and good podcast back in the day, if I do say so myself. It's a, it's a few years ago now, but it was a successful Football Manager podcast and we wanted to return in 2020. Unite again and do something. So here we are. Now, a bit about myself first. I'm a Brit abroad myself, living in Norway. I'm well-traveled in the virtual world with a history of websites, YouTube channels, Twitch, and podcasts. But it's now time to settle down in the virtual socials. The virtual press box is where that's going to happen. Now, I'm the former manager of Bjergram IL, the seventh-tier football team here in Norway, so I feel like I do have a bit of experience to give my opinions on matters from around the game. But now let's head over to Ryan. He can tell you a little bit about himself, my former assistant manager, even only for if it was only for a short time at Bjergram IL. Hello, Ryan, and welcome to the Virtual Press Box. Hello. Glad to be here. I'm glad to be back working with you. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun. But do you want to just tell the viewers a bit about yourself? Where, where are you famous from? What have you done? Uh, so, in terms of like footballing world, you're looking in the world of probably football manager, where me and you have, we've won a lot of things together in the past. Uh, that broke apart, but we've still stayed a part of the football manager scene in some way. In terms of football, well, me and you, we've we've always been a fan. Uh, we differ very much on opinion. I, I mean, as you've already heard, Paul's going to probably butcher my uh, team of the season. Um, I have a fair amount of experience in coaching. I've worked and still work on and off for a coaching company, but I'm currently now working in a uh, primary school. I am not a Brit abroad. I do, I do live in England. Uh, I live in Coventry and I support Man United, which everyone will probably bully me for in comments and all over Twitter. But go for it, there's Man United fans everywhere. Um, and then now we're back doing the uh, these virtual socials. Two podcasts coming your way. Paul, I did Paul mention that as well? It's two podcasts. So, as it always makes sense, right? We're going to start at the end and do a team of the year. So the Premier League season has just ended, which some might say is not the best time to start a podcast, but I completely disagree. I think it's the best time to start a podcast because you have the transfer window. You have the exciting rumours, the talk. But before that, you've got to decide who performed well over the last 12 months, almost, for a season now. <laughs> With the longest season in history, 352 days, will next season last longer? Let's, let's hope not. But Ryan, the team of the year for the season just gone. We're going we're gonna to talk about our 11. We're going to name 
our, I think we'll do our full 11s each. So mm-hmm. we'll let you go first because I'm looking at it now and it, it's not bad, but I feel like you went a little bit lazy. <laughs> um, and there is a big shock in there, which we will obviously all laugh at. As he says it, so I imagine, I imagine, I imagine, I did struggle to be fair with the with the back four. That I one. mean, the, we we do have a few overlaps, but not not too many. Mm. So let let let's let's go, man. You you go through your eleven, and then we we'll, then we will di- dissect it. Okay, so <clears throat> I've got um, Henderson from Sheffield United in goal. I have Trent Alexander Arnold at left back. Harry Maguire and Van Dyke at centre back and Robinson at left back. Fernandez and Henderson in midfield. Salah, De Bruyne and Sterling in like attacking midfield positions and then Jamie Vardy up top. Okay, so I think no one's gonna argue with Vardy, golden boot winner. Uh Sterling, De Bruyne, Salah, we we can accept that. What did Salah get this year? Was it seventeen goals? Something like that. He, he had a so it's not too bad. season. Um, Fernandez-Henderson, okay. Defensively, okay. So I'm not going to argue with three of them. <laughs> You're going to argue with Maguire. I want to know why. I mean, obviously, let's not mention you're a Man United fan. Obviously, that had nothing to do with it, Ryan. No. But why have you put Maguire in your team of the year? I think it's in terms of... I looked at it in terms of how I would set up a team. So you've got like Van Dyke, who is like your absolute battering ram, and Harry Maguire, who I've looked at quite a lot of stats, and these stats haven't come from like Man United websites. They've all come from, I've looked on Premier League websites, and it's the carrying of the ball. So playing the ball at the back. So I'm looking at, can Harry Maguire get the ball to Fernandez who, or who, Henderson, who potentially sit deep in the formation that I've chosen, which is a 4-2. Three one, which probably be a little bit narrow with Salah and Sterling, but Harry Maguire, I understand he hasn't had the best season in terms of a what eighty eighty five million pound player, but I couldn't really pick anybody else. Like I went through the list and gone, who else has really impressed me here? So I just ended up with Harry Maguire. Now, I think Henderson is, is a decent shout. Um, he didn't win Golden Glove. I don't think he, he definitely wasn't in the top two. But he's a decent goalkeeper. He did quite well. and So I don't see an issue with that. I think one of the questions I do want to ask is, did you did you have any people who came close to this 11? Uh, like, do you, have any, do you have any players who just missed out who you remember considering putting in? Aubameyang was close. Um I think he's had a fairly decent season, con- considering the season that Arsenal have had. Um, Aubameyang has like by far been their top goalscorer and possibly their best player. And if I'm honest, can't see him keeping hold of him this year. But we'll obviously discuss that stuff later. Um, probably people knowing that I'm a Man United fan will probably ask why David De Gea isn't in there. But I just don't think David De Gea deserves to be there at all. He hasn't. He hasn't had the season that everyone would expect of David De Gea. Way too many mistakes. And if I'm honest, if I was Man United, I'd say, I think your time is done at the club. I mean, to be honest, Ryan, I don't think anyone's going to ask question why you didn't put De Gea in. Oh, you never know. There's always so after you there. picking your team on the BBC Sport website, the My Team of the Season hashtag section, mm-hmm. um, I, I just wrote mine down on a piece of paper. 
because I'm I'm old school like that. So I've gone with Nick Pope in goal. Then I've gone with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Robertson and Van Dijk as three of my four in defence. But the difference between me and you is I've gone with uh, Egan from Sheffield United in defence. Um, 13 clean sheets while he was playing in defence for them in 36 games he played. I think that's a, a decent record for Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kept more clean sheets when he was in the back three than anybody else. Um, I've gone with Henderson as holding midfielder. Uh, I've gone with Bruno Fernandes, same as you as well. Um, but I've gone with Mason Mount making up a three in midfield. I feel like first season in the Premier League, he broke in fantastically. Um, and I just think he, he needs to be in there. He needs to be in there. Uh, I've gone with Sterling on the right, De Bruyne on the left. I had to push De Bruyne out on one of the wings just to fit him in. You couldn't not have De Bruyne. Um, but I've gone with Harry Kane up top because I just feel like as the season comes to an end, Harry Kane looks fitter than he's looked in a long time. And he looked unbelievable. Where Vardy, for the last six months, I mean, granted, three of them he's been sat on the sofa, <laughs> he didn't really do much. He, most of his goals came early on in the season where Kane is looking good. So I think, I think I've think i gone with Kane. I think it was a good shout. Yes, he didn't get golden boot. Vardy did, but I think Kane, next year, I think Kane's a shoe in for golden boot. A um, couple of players I've considered was Reese James at right back instead of Trent Alexander. But Alexander Arnold's just amazing. Um, I considered Martial instead of um, De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. Um, considered it. Just he's just he's looking good, you know. Especially since since the restart, he's looked good. And instead of Mount and Fernandez, I considered the Wolves um, duo of Neves and Martinho. But unfortunately, when I checked out their stats, they don't perform as well as I thought they would have. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie; it was kind of disappointing. Um, so yeah, that's our team of the year. I'd love to know what people think. What what would they have done different? What team would they have picked different to us? What players should we not have had? Obviously, I went with Nick Pope, who came runner-up in the Golden Glove to uh, Edison of Man City. So, close shout. I think he's a good goalkeeper, Ryan. Probably on level with Henderson, I would say. Mm-hmm. He, always, he always managed to stop Man United from scoring. I think we always draw when we, uh, when we have a Nick Pope in goal against us. Well, there you go. See, that's why I picked him. That's why I picked him. <laughs> so, we'll move on to the next topic, Ryan, which is the top four. And as I say, next week's podcast, we will have a look at the fifth to eighth place teams. Just work our way through over the summer, over the top four teams. But obviously, if any of the top four players do make signings, we will obviously go back and talk about them. We're not just going to discard the top four teams after this week. So, Ryan, top four. We'll start with Liverpool. So they've won the Premier League. Um, they've they've been linked with Thiago, but apart from that, it's been quite quiet so far. Coming off Anfield, obviously very early in in the in the summer period. Um, but after lifting their first title in many many years, Ryan, mm. what um what do you think Liverpool need to do to win it again to become one of them teams who wins it back to back? See, this is the issue. And um, don't get me wrong, Klopp has done absolute wonders with Liverpool. 
but I mean, there's a, there's a certain team which uh, we'll discuss later on that have made already some very good signings, and I think they're going to push Liverpool to the um, to the edge next year. Liverpool completely ran away with it this year, regardless of how the Premier League was going to go, whether it restarted or not. Liverpool deserved to win the Premier League, but I don't I don't think they need much. Uh, I think they just need possibly possibly one or two players. A winger, maybe maybe a midfielder, because you've got like James Milner who's getting a little bit older. Henderson Henderson is pu- is pushing on with age, uh, but he's, he's been fantastic this year, so he's he's going nowhere. But I'd like to see I think they're gonna go after some youngsters um and build and build up from there. Uh, but I don't think we'll see much from Liverpool, if I'm honest. Now one of the one of the reasons I wanted to to do a podcast with Ryan again is his absolute ridiculous attention to detail. So I said to Ryan, just make a few notes for like the top four teams, just so we've got something things to talk about. Ryan has done a Liverpool section which has their record, so thirty two wins, three draws, three defeats, nine nine points, average two point six one a game, uh, the goals, etc. Then he's done Liverpool transfer rumours. <laughs> now bear in mind, Ryan just said live on this podcast, I think they only maybe need one or two people. They don't need much. Ryan has listed thirty players. <laughs> yeah, but this is but, not this is not me saying they need those players. No, no, this no, no, is no, me no. looking they, around. You, you haven't just listed these players. You've also listed for quite a few of them the newspaper and the <laughs> date that they were linked. Now, if I was making a note, I would have just put I think they need a couple of players, these are the ones I think they need and who they're linked with. You've just gone ham on this. <laughs> um, but one of the players you've you've listed is Philip Coutinho. Do we really think he would end up going back to Liverpool? I think they've outgrown him, you know. I think they have. I think um, Coutinho is he's been one that he's very, he reminds me very much of like a Hazard. Hazard hasn't really done much at Real Madrid. Like he went for big amount of money. Both players. Um, well, he won the league. He did. He did win the league, but he's won the league with uh, Bayern Munich. I think. I think me and you could go to Bayern Munich and sit there and win the league. Well, it's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> it's a dream. But no. well, we we dropped down to Man City. Is this thirty players again? Wait till you get to Man United. I feel like oh god, oh god, oh dear me. We'll bring that up when we get to it. So we'll drop down to Man City now. Man City are well. We could say Man City are one of the active teams so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, linked with a twenty million deal for for Ran Torres mm-hmm. uh, coming over from Spain. But they are also very heavily linked with Nathan Ake. Now, I streamed today over on Twitch and I was talking to my chat about this transfer. Man City, I think we we both agree Man City need to strengthen defensively. They are weak if they pick up injuries, which Laporte does. They are very weak. And uh, Guardiola doesn't like John Stone, so there's one defender straight away and gone off their list. He tries everything not to play him. So they're linked with Nathan Ake. Now, I want to do a bit of research on this, right? I'm going to blow you away with some stats. Okay. Now, anyone listening to this podcast, don't expect this every week. <laughs> um, so Ake has a 68% tackles one ratio, Ryan. So, okay, not, not the highest. But 
Van Dyke only has a 52% tackles one ratio this year. Did you know that? No. I'd love to know what it was last year. Because wasn't it? it was quite high last year for Van Dyke, wasn't it? I can't believe, according to the Premier League stats, in the Premier League this year, Van Dyke, 52% tackles one ratio. But this is where it all changes. So, Ake, 68% tackles one. So I thought, okay. Not not stupidly high. I, to be honest with you, I thought Van Dyke would have been higher. But Jules, mm. this is where I think Man City are making a mistake bringing Ake. Jules won 107. Jules mm-hmm. lost 83. Aerial battles won 62. Lost 63. So if you com- compare that to Van Dyke. Jules won 239, lost 81. Ariel won 191, lost 60. Now, I'm sorry, but Ake has lost more aerial battles than he's won. If he's going to go to a top Premier League club, they don't settle for for point like one point here and there. You expect her to win every game. Do you think Nathan Ake, who is not a big man, he's not a big player, he's he's quite short for a centre-back, do you think he's what City need? Yes, he's decent on the ball, but, I mean, 11 football, like very good footballers, wouldn't make a, a fantastic team if the opposition have a striker who could just bully Ake out off the ball every time. True. I mean, it's an, it's a, it's an interesting transfer. Um, and I think it he is the sort of player that, that Pep Guardiola likes. He likes those players that can be on the ball and be comfortable on the ball, which I think they thought they were getting in John Stones. And clearly, clearly they haven't got that sort of player. And I don't think John Stones is bad on the ball, though, is he? He's not bad on the ball. But he's he not. Just, but he's very error-prone, isn't he? Yeah, and he's made like silly passes at the back that have resulted in like errors and a shot being taken from the other team I would be interested to see what Pep Guardiola does with Ake can he can he turn him into the defender that Pep Guardiola wants and in the way I look at it are are Man City going away from that back four if they're bringing in Ake are they going to go with a back three and then just play complete win backs because they've got they've got what's his name um Francello who can play wing back and their left back Mendy who looks definitely like can, yeah. definitely can play left back. So I would look at it if they're gonna play a back three and then have they've got Rodri who I think will push on next year and be a very good player, sitting in sitting in the hole and helping out that back three. Ake could be okay if he's got someone fairly decent next to him to build him up. And I think See that's what I think I'm with City you. That's what Man City are lacking. They're lacking that like leader at the back that can help Ake to push on. You can't just rely yeah. on your manager to push you on. I mean, yeah, he's Pep Guardiola has done ridiculous things with Sterling and he's turned him into a goal scorer that I never thought he would be. Can he do the same with Ake, but on the defensive side? Well, he couldn't do it with John Stones. Um, I'm with you, I think... If they played a back three, I think it could work. It could also work if Ake maybe was used in that defensive midfield role, maybe. 
I mean, is that a possibility? If you think Pep likes his wing, his wing, his fullbacks to come inside. So if them they come inside and get on the ball, do they need a defensive mid who can almost move into a three man defence? Um, but then you've got Rodri, as you say, who will do that. They've got Fernandinho's around for another year as well. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think in a in a four man defence, Ake and Laporte is a good enough defence. I really don't. I don't I see it scaring. I don't see it scaring strikers. I think strikers would be able to bully that defence. I think they wouldn't. I think um, Ake and Laporte, I'm sure Laporte is left-footed. Yes, he is, yeah. So if you put Laporte and Ake at centre-back, put them on their right foot, then you... Then so you, then you, you see, if you, think, uh, if you think, for example, John Terry also used to be on the left of the two, didn't he? And he was right-footed. So mm-hmm. I don't... That bit doesn't faze me as much. Like I wouldn't say that's a that's a fear, but I think that in terms of this week's transfer is definitely the talking one, and it's the one which has many people probably divided. I would say. Now, before we move on to Manchester United and Chelsea, Ryan, we will bring in the new feature of a Brit abroad. So this week's Brit abroad is going to be Ryan. This week. Gary Martin. Now, Gary Martin is a a, a historic figure from many years ago when um, within the football manager community, Jay Pointer managed a very successful save and Gary Martin was the superstar of that team. So, Ryan, if you could just tell us a little bit about Gary Martin and where is he playing and when, when, when does he leave the UK and where is he playing? Because that's what I didn't put in. Let me get my Google. He's currently oh, well. I know. Come on. You know what I put in the notes. I didn't put everything in. Let's have oh. a look. So he started <laughs> off. I know. I, was, I disappointed you. He started off at Middlesbrough, but didn't play a game for Middlesbrough. So then he went to Budapest, which is in Hungary. Hungary. There you go. Paul and Paul going on. Then he went to a team. I think this is. Is this when he went to Iceland? Yes. That's when he went to Iceland. So yes. he went to Iceland and he, he's done really well in Iceland and he continues to do really well in Iceland where he scored 36 goals. No, 30, 22 goals in 36 experience for... I'm not even going to bother to pronounce the name because I'll just destroy it. I'm going to call him IA. And then whoever is Icelandic and watching, if you are, you can tell me how to say it. Uh, and then he went to a team called KR, and I believe this is the team that Jay Pointer managed on Football yes, Manager, it isn't is. it? Yes, it is. And he took them all the way to the Champions League. Like, crazy stuff. Crazy football, crazy football manager journeys. Uh, did fairly well there. Scored 35 goals in 60, 69 games. And then he went to another team in Iceland called Vikinga. Is that, is that in Iceland? Yes, it is. Vikinga Reykjavik. Reykjavik, and then he went to Lillstrom. I, love, I love, the, love the knowledge, Ryan. I know. Then he went to Lillstrom. I know, I know where that is. That's in Norway. Because if I got that wrong, you'd probably crucify me. Yes, I would. Yeah. And then he went to Lochran. That's in Belgium. And then he come back to England, to York, and then back to Lillstrom again. And then he come back to Iceland to play for Valor. And then he went to IBV, which is where he is now. And he's just performing wonders at the moment like this season alone he scored 14 goals in 10 games he's he's on fire 
as you kept saying to me, Gary Martin's on fire. Let's do Gary Martin. And I didn't, I re- didn't realise how I... many goals he'd scored. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I said to you, we had to have Gary Martin as our first bit of board because we've got history with the man and he's playing very, very well. As you say, 14 goals this season so far. He has 81 goals over his career in Iceland alone, so he's pushing to become the first Englishman to score 100 goals in Iceland. He's finished top goal scorer in Iceland on three occasions, one time when he won his only Iceland League winner's medal in 2012-13. He also has won the Icelandic Cup twice as well, so he is a proper Brit abroad. He's came to the Middlesbrough youth, just wasn't successful enough to break into their team. So he's he's gone off and made a name for himself whilst experiencing new cultures and he's fell in love with Iceland. He he's been backs and forwards like start this year he was back at Darlington on loan, but it, he's always gone home and his home is Iceland. So you've got to say fair play to him, Brian. I do. I mean I love a player that just goes abroad and just gets away from England and then becomes really good. It doesn't happen for everybody, yeah. but I think Gary Martin is uh, one of the ones where he's been quite successful in Iceland. Not, he's not done a, fantastic. Not a well-known league, but he's done well in the league, and he's. I think he's made it quite well-known for football manager people, especially people that follow Jay Pointer, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> now, I think one of the things I want to say is, if you have a Brit abroad who you recommend, make sure you do put them in the comments section or make sure you do tweet us, etc. All the socials will be linked. Now, we want to also try to expand the, expand the bit abroad and over time, maybe have a chat with these people, maybe get them on. I think it'll be fantastic to expand the bit abroad and just see who is creating a name for themselves outside of the island nation. Now, the next club in the top four, Ryan, moving back to that, moving back to what's happening, is Manchester United. This is your club. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hand all of this to you. <laughs> I want you to just tell us how it's gone, how it's going to go, what you need, and why you need it. Listen, in terms of how it's gone, it's gone not how I predicted it. I did not expect to finish third. And I would, I would have been interested to see if we carried on, take out all this pandemic stuff, would we have finished third? That would, that would be an interesting question to pose in a, in a virtual reality. Maybe it's a football manager thing. Um, but I'm, I'm 40, very... forty-seven players Ryan has listed, by the way. <laughs> it's Man United. What do you expect? Um, but in terms of this year, it, I know we finished third, but it's not, it's not essentially been good enough when we look we look at the record where we've won 18 we've drew 12 that's not good enough for a start and we've lost eight i'll probably accept that um but then you look at home record where we've got 37 points and away record of 29 okay not the best goals 66 we'll probably say we could score more and i reckon we will score more next year because it seems that front three of rashford martial greenwood they were on fire when they came back and I'm hoping that will carry on but then I'd be interested in terms of transfers how those three are going to stick together and then goals conceded we've nearly conceded a goal a game 0.95 goals per game that to me for Man United is not good enough and it shows what has happened since Alex Ferguson has left 
but it's nothing against Oli because I think Oli's bringing the Man United way back, but back in a way of modern football because you can't go back to the way Alex Ferguson used to play. Four four two is, in my opinion, it's a dinosaur way of football nowadays. It it is still played, but it's played in a very different way to the way it was in the nineties. You don't have those Beckham sorts of players that are whipping in crosses. You don't you don't have that front two. It just doesn't happen. Four four two is a bit too easy to break down nowadays. Now, in terms of transfers, yeah, there's 42 players, but this is this is Man United. And as soon as I went through, these are all off Sky Sports, by the way. So I was like, who's linked with Man United? I was like, oh, great. Absolutely massive list. And it'll be typical Man United. Uh, so we're linked with Sancho, and there's been Sky Sports have been all over it today. Like, oh, they're trying to thrash out a deal and its potential. 120 million. I'm like, okay. Jaden Sancho, I would I would love to have Jaden Sancho, but then I question if Jaden Sancho comes in, who goes out of that front three? Now, um I can't remember who it was. It was a Sky Sports pundit that said Martial would have to drop out. He would have to be sitting on the bench a lot more. Since Martial has come back in current circumstances, Martial has been on fire. Like he's had Pogba, he's had Fernandez. Feeding in passes, like I don't, I don't know how Fernandez makes these passes. Fernandez is one of the best Man United signings I have seen in a very long time. Um, I also think we need, we do need a centre back. Um, I'm hoping that someone like Phil Jones disappears because Phil Jones is useless. Uh, so there's a very big link to this. Uh, Gabriel Melinguez, I think that's how we say his name. Apparently, a twenty million pound signing. Now, in modern football, twenty million. That is absolutely nothing. Because when you look at Nathan Ake, who is potentially costing forty-one million, someone like Gabriel Melinguez, who's twenty years old, I believe, twenty million. I take it one million pounds for every year he's been alive. Go for it. And then there's all these links of a goalkeeper. Do we need to get rid of David de Gea? I would say if David de Gea wants to go in this transfer window, I'd say all right. You've done your you've done your time. You can go. But I also think that David de Gea's head has been in Madrid since was it twenty seventeen Real Madrid started their initial contact. Probably twenty. Can I just say that if Manchester United decide to go out and actually buy a goalkeeper like Oblak, for example? See, this is where this is where I'm getting to. I know Oblak's on that list. And I, I hope they don't go out and buy a goalkeeper. All right, get rid. If if De Gea wants to go, and Man United feel feel that it's time for him to go, I'm happy with that. But then, you've got a choice. You've got Sergio Romeo, who potentially he's been linked with Leeds, because I think he's reached an age where he wants to play first team football, and I don't blame him. Then you've got Henderson who's coming back. I reckon Henderson could just jump into that number one shirt. But then do you need to bring up a second choice goalkeeper? We've still got Joel Pereira in the team. And we've got, what is his name? We've got the um, the Czech player in the youth team who's had a fantastic season. Um, Mate Korva, who could be third choice. And we've also got Lee Grant who sits on, sits on, the, sits on the bench and just makes money. Oh. But, I mean, this is the point, though, isn't it? It's clubs linked with the likes of Oblak, for example. Like, 
or just anybody, if Manchester United were going to replace De Gea, if they don't replace him with Henderson, football has just got to look itself in the mirror. It is absolute disgrace if that doesn't happen because it doesn't make sense. I think Man United would need to look at themselves as well, especially in terms of like history and bringing players up through the youth team. Henderson is that player. Let, yeah. let let him come through, stick with that Man United legacy of um, having a player every season from the youth team, in either the first either either the first starting lineup or on the bench at least. I mean, it's going to continue anyway because Greenwood's going to be there and he's going to be starting or at least on the bench. But I honestly would like to see Henderson starting for Man United next season because I can't see him coming back. And accepting the hay is still here. You're gonna have well, to there sit. we go. You're gonna have to sit well, on the there bench. we go. What do you think, guys? Do you think Henderson should be Manchester United's number one next year? Should he go back and settle to be number two next year? Should De Gea leave? Should Henderson leave? Let us know what you guys think of that. So moving on to the final team of this top four, which was Chelsea. First season with Lampard as manager. They conceded 54 goals this season, which was their second worst in Premier League history. Picking up 36 points at home, losing five games at home, and losing seven away from home, by the way. So they've not been dominant, but they are a young side. Chelsea are finally doing what everybody has said Chelsea needs to do for years and years, which is give some of the young players a chance. Chelsea have had an unbelievable academy for years now. And the players have just never had a path to the first team where now they do. They have been linked with some people. They have done some business. They have uh, brought in Timo Werner from Red Bull Leipzig, which I think is an unbelievable signing. Um, They are linked with Kai Havertz, strongly linked. They are also linked with Dean Henderson, by the way, Ryan, which I just can't see Man United letting happen. Um, But you never know. but in terms of Chelsea, Ryan, can you only see them getting better next year? I, this is the team that I am afraid of next year. I I would put a bet, um, potentially waiting on to see what other transfer business that they do, that Chelsea will win the league next year. That's a call. That's a call on podcast number one. That's a call. Just, just because of the players, the players they've bought already. I mean, they've bought in Timo Werner. That's a fantastic striker. They've bought in Hakim Ziyech, and then they're potentially linked with Kai Havertz. I mean, their potential front three, or even if they're playing one up top, the three behind um, Werner. Who, let's be honest, he's going to be the number one striker. That is a dangerous potential attacking four that's going to be running at them. You've got Mason Mount, who's had a fantastic season this year Hakim Ziyech behind and uh, who's the other one the American Pulisic oh that's dangerous and I, I reckon if they can sort out and prevent the amount of goals that they've scored this season going into next year so it's probably questionable do they need to fix something in the midfield area like is uh, has Kante lost that going back and forth and all that fitness that he has is there something across the back four that needs sorting out? That 
they're linked with who are who are they linked with? I've just scrolled to the top just to see who they'd actually bought. Um, are they linked with any defenders? They're linked with they're linked uh, with uh, Milinko Savic, which is a uh, he's going to be he'd be a very good like bullying midfielder. Uh, they're linked with Kula Bali as well. Yeah, ben Chilwell, who potentially left back wise, yeah, I could see that. Kula Bali is linked with everyone. Um, yeah, that's if, true. If everyone in the top four, but I mean, the guy, what is it? He's twenty nine, and they want eighty million for him. See, Chelsea need they need a central defender, in my opinion. They, they that's something they really do need to improve. I can I can see I can see Ben Chilwell being a deal which is going to happen this summer, but yeah. I do think they need a central defender to play alongside maybe alongside Rudiger. I also I think... don't think Tamuri is ready for it. I don't. I think he needs another season, maybe as third, cho- as second choice. Mm. I also think um, they potentially need to change their goalkeeper. Yes, I that, think 100% that, that needs uh, to be done. They brought him in for, what, 74, £75 million. Pounds, and I think the game that really changed it for him was uh, that game where he refused to come off as a sub when Sarri was in charge. Yeah. I think since yeah. then, his, his head has just been elsewhere. I mean, I've, I think I read something, I can't remember what newspaper it was in, so that Chelsea, are, are they ready to cut their losses and just get rid of him for £50 million? Now, who's going to buy him for £15 Because that's a big transfer for a goalkeeper. I think it would be potentially the highest fee. So, good luck with that, Chelsea. But they are linked They are linked with Henderson, and they're, they're apparently ha- happy to offer him 170 grand a week. But they're also, linked, they're also linked with, and I think it's a very good link, is um, Andre Onana from Ajax, who they'd probably get him at probably a cut price cost because... It's Ajax and Ajax, they are known to be that selling club and then they bring the next player up from their youth team because Ajax's youth academy is ridiculous. I mean, we'll talk about a, potent, a, a player that's come from Ajax to another team just before the podcast ends anyway. But Onana, I think it'd be a fairly good shout to be um, a number one goalkeeper for Chelsea. But that's if they can get rid of their current goalkeeper. 50 million is a big price to ask. I guess that's the question as well, Ryan, isn't it, for everybody? Will Chelsea change their goalkeeper this summer? Mm-hmm. But to end the podcast, Ryan, we're just going to go over some transfer news which has happened this week. I think as the summer goes on, transfer talk might move up in the podcast um, cycle. But for now, it's it's coming in at the end. So a couple I want to point out, Ryan. Adam Lallana going to Brighton on a free. That's a great um, from Liverpool. That's a great signing for Brighton. But my only worry is Adam Lallana at the age of 32 can't play out wide in a three or in the centre of midfield. So Brighton are going to need to play Lallana behind the striker, in my opinion. But surely only positives for that signing, Ryan. Oh, it is. I mean, only positive. I mean, someone told me that um, that they look at like the stats of training somewhere. Apparently, Adam Lallana is up there with the likes of like Milner at training, who is a boss. And him going to Brighton, if he can maintain that fitness at 33, it's a fantastic signing. On a free as okay. well. Okay. Hopefully, I eat my words and he can play in the middle of a three or a wide in the three as well. Um, now, Brighton have made another sign, Ryan, for my axe. And this one made a lot of people sit up. 
mm-hmm. Joel Veltman, Ryan, has gone from Ajax to Brighton for a reported £900,000. I mean, is there going to be a better deal this summer, apart from maybe Adam Lallana for free? I, I, I just don't think you can beat it. I mean, £9,000 was apparently this guy's £9,000? £900,000. <laughs> I mean, I said, could the deal be beaten? You've just tried. (laughs) That was his release clause, apparently. I mean, wow. I mean, I've signed this guy um, when Vita came out of Football Manager. And it wasn't wasn't for that. I think it was for a lot more than that. So, Brighton have done well to find this player and, well, find him. I think people know of him because he's a great player. I mean, he's been at Ajax for, let's say, 19 years. And um, he's taken the number 34 shirt in um, in respect of uh, his teammate, uh, Norwig, who, if you remember, he collapsed during the friendly in 2017. And he also said that a lot of the players that have moved from Ajax uh, to, or to bigger teams or to other teams, they've also taken the number 34. So all the Ajax players are remembering um, Norwig, who a lot of respect, yeah. collapsed on the pitch, had to retire, unfortunately, because that player was, um, Norrie was linked to be a really good player. I think he was a wonder kid on Football Manager, if I can remember. Uh, but this this signing from Brighton, Joel Valtman, what a signing. That's just, I think, I don't think that deal, unless something wows me in the summer, because money is ridiculous in the current market, I, just, I don't think you're going to beat that deal. It, it's so cheap for a player that Brighton need because he can play centre-back, he can fit in at right-back, he can fit in in defensive mid if necessary. What a signing. What a signing. So there's other two other bits of transfer to talk about. Uh, Leroy Sane has gone from Man City to Bayern Munich, 55 million reported. Um, I think that's good business from Man City. He wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. That's definitely going to help their their figures in terms of profits and loss. Now, the final one, we talk about great transfers. Liverpool. Liverpool managed to get £11 million for Dejan Lovren. Now, yes, self-proclaimed best centre-back in the world. But, I mean, you've got to take your hat off to Liverpool that they managed to convince Senator Senate St. Petersburg to pay £11 million for Lovren. I mean, that's fairly impressive, Ryan. That is um, that is modern football at its best, really, isn't it? It's um, someone who hasn't really played much this season and Zenit are quite happy to pay that much for him. I mean, good luck, good luck, good luck to him. But I don't think we'll I don't think we'll hear much of Lovren again. Probably see him, probably see him in the Champions League or Europa League, whichever one Zenit qualify for for next year. Doing some sort of a mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is it for the first episode of the Virtual Press Box, Ryan. I hope hope you enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's always fun working with you, Paul. Uh, too kind. <laughs> Hopefully people people listening did enjoy it. And if you did, make sure you do comment. Make sure you do leave a like, a rating, if you're watching on iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening, Facebook, Make sure you do drop a comment, drop a like, drop a rating. Me and Ryan will see you next week as we delve deeper into the Premier League 
delve deeper into signings. In the sales, if anybody can beat Liverpool's 11 million for Lovren, we will take our hats off to them. But I've been Paul, he has been Ryan, and we have been the Virtual Press Box. <laughs>